Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kill Your Yo-Yo, the only podcast dedicated to yo-yo theory, yo-yo improvisation, and yo-yo performance, brought to you by Illinks Toys. This is your host, Ross Levine, and I have an awesome guest to share with you today. It is Gavin Hubner. Uh, you've definitely heard of Gavin. He recently placed fourth in nationals uh, in the 1A division, so he's a, just an absolute top competitor. Um totally competitive in such a stacked competition uh and he's he's just gonna keep on doing better and better every year um i i, I love talking to him and i met him at nationals when i went in uh kind of an interesting way that we'll talk about in this episode and this episode was actually meant to be it's sort of a strange episode because i wanted it to be just like a bonus extra episode that would happen on an off week when i didn't have something to post um, because he had just one thing that he really wanted to say. And so we recorded that episode, and then that episode ended, and then we started talking after we'd uh, finished recording, and we just had more to say. And I was like, why are we saying this to each other? We should say this in the podcast. So it actually turned into a full episode after we started recording and after we'd finished the episode. So you're going to hear a false ending of the episode, and then you're going to hear a new beginning of the episode, and then you'll just hear it turn into a full episode as the episode goes on. So this is a, this is a very odd episode, but I, I, I wouldn't have had it any other way because we had a really interesting conversation. And let me tell you about the conversation. One, the, the main thing I wanted to hit on was how to be consistent in yo-yoing and how to create, uh, a, 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 how to practice your tricks such that you can hit them 100% of the time which if you've ever seen Gavin, you know he hits his tricks really well and they are not easy tricks. So he'll tell you exactly how he does that. That was really what I wanted to capture. But we also go into uh, just like how to practice, how to perform. Uh, he has recently been doing street performing. There, there's so much that he does that I can't wait for you to hear about. Uh, and, and so you'll, you'll just have to hear it in the episode. So make sure that you listen all the way to the end. Uh, and finally, if you want to support Illinks, we still have melatonins over on yotricks.com and yoyosam.com, uh, uh, and if you want uh, mouse pads, that's our 19 millimeter response pads, um, which are just like the, the, the most popular thing that I sell, uh, you can get those for, uh, it, it's like buy eight, get four free. So you get a, a 12 pack, so 12 pairs for $8. That's less than a dollar a pair. It's the best deal that I have. The link is in the, the bio of my Instagram, and my Instagram is I-L-I-N-X underscore T-O-Y-S. So go ahead and check those out, get that deal, and uh, I, I can't wait for you to pick those up. And without any further ado, here is Gavin Hubner. Hello, Gavin. Hey, what's up, Ross? How you doing? How's it going? Oh, I'm doing well, good now that I have internet going. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of necessary for a podcast. Mm -hmm. oh new apartment figuring things out but uh yeah right. how, how have you been uh not too bad i like i miss nationals a lot i miss everybody like it really like that was like the best contest experience i think i've ever had and i got to meet so many people and finally like feel part of something and now it's gone and <laughs> back to like for so long <laughs> right right yeah it felt like longer i had a blast but yeah you were competing before though right yeah I competed before I yeah I like I don't know I I was trying hard but like I don't feel like I was really competing the mm -hmm. way I wanted to 
But yeah, I went to contests and stuff. So it sounds like some good stuff changed. <laughs> Dude, so much changed. Like, it's crazy. Um, yeah, Nationals, like, really changed my whole trajectory. Like, even in life, honestly, like, that weekend really changed everything. Um, so if I hadn't gone to Nationals, like, I don't know what the future would be like, but I kind of have a hazy idea right now. So, yeah. Wow. Is that something that you want to share? Just something that's, that we'll see play out? Well, I don't know. I mean, well, I don't really know what's going to happen, but like, I do know that something is there now, you know, before nationals, I wasn't on Duncan. I wasn't as motivated to make tricks and videos. I uh, certainly hadn't proved to myself that I could compete at a high level and, and do the well, you know, the way I, I wanted to, um, but that's all changed now. And so it's just, forward from here sweet well for for people who don't know you got fourth at nationals which is like incredible that's thank you <laughs> there were a lot of very 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 good people competing um, yeah and and so that's, that's a massive accomplishment uh especially after that that long long break that everybody had to just sit back and work on their routines um, right, right and uh, something that, that happened was, I'll, I'll tell this story from my perspective, which is I was outside hanging out with, I think, Chris Chun and, um, and Mark Montgomery and, uh, oh, I forget his name. It's Dazzling Dave. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Like a couple of yo-yo legends hanging out outside. Uh, yeah, I know. those guys are dope. And, and I was doing magic tricks for them. And uh, we were we were having a good time, and um, we were various kinds of intoxicated. And, <laughs> and then I, I walk in, and I'm like, I, I have to go to sleep. It's it is um, it is too late, and I have to I, I have a new job starting soon, so I have to like go to sleep. And so I go inside, and I see like you and Angelo Aguirre and. I don't even remember who else was at that table. West. West was there. Oh, yeah. Weston was yeah. there. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I can't go to sleep when this table's here. <laughs> hang out with them. Yeah. No, dude, I was excited. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you you told this story about consistency. And, and then we talked about it after the contest, too. So anyway, that's how I saw it. Uh, how was it from your perspective? <laughs> from my perspective okay so at the time like it took me a minute to realize that you were the guy who ran this podcast oh, yeah. like I I didn't like match your face to the podcast name like at first and then like in the latter 30 minutes I kind of had that realization and I was like oh that's that's Russell me he runs kill your yo-yo you know um but yeah like I was just talking to Angela who by the way is super chill like that guy's awesome same thing with Wes they're just like really relaxed and they just love yo-yoing you know and it's it was awesome to to get to know them more that night and um yeah I was just sitting there saw you walk up I was like hey I like this guy like let's let's hang out and I think that's just one of those cool things yo-yoers have like since we all love this niche hobby like we're all just like friends and it doesn't even matter how much I've talked to you before you know anyone can just stroll up and we can just start talking so that was really fun that actually i had that happen 
I just started a new job and I was uh, I was walking around for some training, mm-hmm. uh, which this isn't a brag. It's important for the story. I got a job yeah. at Universal Studios. Ah! Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, the so I was doing some training where we're walking around and there's in an employees only area. Uh, I saw this guy yo-yoing who was like a cast member, but he had his earbuds in and he was just like out in a place where the public couldn't see and he was yo-yoing. And so I broke off from like all the technical <laughs> services people who are a bunch of like union labor and, and engineers and stuff. And I went yeah. on yo-yo, I walk up to this guy and I'm like, I have a yo-yo too. I have one. I have one. <laughs> and then they're like, my group is still walking. And this guy's like, I, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't. I can't yo-yo with yeah, yeah. so I just leave. So if anybody knows James, because I saw his name tag, if anybody knows James who works at Universal Studios <laughs> in some kind of cast member capacity, I need to connect <laughs> with him because he's my <clears throat> friend. That's so dope. Dude, they like we pop up all over the place and you don't even know. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh. That's good. They're everywhere. But yeah, definitely. Yo-yoers are um are it just takes a we're like dogs the moment we see each other we're like oh yes we are friends now yeah it's like this collective conscience we have <laughs> it's awesome man so tell me what was the thing that you were talking about what was that story that you were talking about on that day at nats at 11 p.m or whenever it was is there like a specific thing I told you about, or was it just like general, like how what I did to practice? General about building consistency and kind of what happened to take you from one level of competition up to that next level of competition. All right, so I think, all right, so I need a little context to this first. Um, when I was like competing, so I competed at Mideast Regionals and Eastern Canadian Regionals, which were like really small regional contests. And I barely placed third at those um and you know I didn't do so well in a lot of other contests simply because I just screwed up all the time like it was so bad like I just I I got upstage my mind got fuzzy I got nervous and I choked like every time like without fail and even some of the contests that I did do well at like I was happy with the performance because you know the negative clicks didn't ruin it I still had so many that I just didn't place as high as I could have. And that like really frustrated me. And so then COVID started and I realized, okay, now I can just, you know, relax from practicing. And that's kind of when I realized I wasn't practicing right. You know, I think for most people and me at the time, it was you create a routine and then you just do the routine a million times. And while that helps a little bit, what I found was that, um, and this was made apparent to me by uh, Connor Skolton, who's like the Yotrix guy. He taught tons of tutorials online. Um, he actually lives like half an hour away from me, which is a crazy coincidence. Um, but he, he said to me that when you're practicing the routine over and over again, you're not getting better at yo-yoing. You're not putting yourself in a better position to win the contest. You're just getting better at doing the routine. And so when you're not in the basement alone practicing without pressure, you know, you might hit the routine well, but once you are on the stage, it might not go the way you want it to. And so you have to do more. And so I really only started practicing for this contest about a month out. 
because I didn't think I was going to come to nationals um, until like a month and a half um, before it started. And so I texted Connor and I'm like, hey, I'm serious about this. Like, I want to do well at this contest. What can you do for me? Um, and so he did this like basically like yo-yo contest training 101. It was it was crazy. He had me do all kinds of stuff I didn't even think would be beneficial. And um, you know, sometimes at the time I didn't even I questioned whether or not some of the things I was doing was really helping, but it, it was, and he knows a lot. He's been yo-yoing for 25 years, which is seven years longer than I've been alive. So I trusted him. <laughs> um, and so what he did was there were a couple things that he wanted me to do to prepare. One, practice repeaters. Two, make variations or learn variations of tricks I already have. Um, and he had me do these one throw videos where I'd throw the yo-yo once and for a minute and a half, I'd do all slack tricks and not mess up once. No negative clicks, all slacks, minute and a half. Um, and that like, that really stretched my capacity to yo-yo. And so his whole thing with repeaters was he called it the rule of 10, which is something that Gentry Stein actually, um, brings up first. I think he mentioned this in a yo tricks video a while back. But the idea is that um, you need to be able to do a repeater or a trick 10 times in a row and not mess it up. And then you can use that trick um, in a routine. And what that does is allows you to actually use your brain because what a lot of people do when they practice the routine over and over again is they just go on autopilot and they're thinking about hitting music cues and you know they're just in the moment um, trying to finish the routine. They're not really focusing on their weaknesses within the trick. And so I knew that if I did a repeater of a trick that I was having difficulty with, um, that I would be able to work out some of the weaknesses and then smooth them out over time. Um, and so that helped me a lot with consistency and being able to do the trick in a lot of different situations that I wasn't quite used to. Um, and so I could more easily adapt on the day of the contest to, you know, actually land the trick when it mattered. Mm. Yeah. So that was like, honestly, that was like the biggest one. Um, like if I had any advice to somebody practicing for a contest, it would be find the tricks you're not hitting as well, make a repeater and do the repeater a ton. Like there was a period of time where I didn't even do um, any uh, run throughs of my routines at all. There was like a week period where I didn't do my routine once. And this was like within three weeks leading up to nationals. And I was just doing straight repeaters. After I uh, got done with that week, then I practiced the routine and it was easy. Like I didn't think about it. It was, I wasn't worried about music or anything. Like I just did the routine, nailed it. Like I went from let's get lower than 10 negatives to let's see if I can go clean this time, you know, like 100%. So yeah, that, that like really changed a lot. One thing I think I remember from nationals is you were saying that, uh, which kind of ties into what you were talking about with you're not using your brain if you're just practicing a routine is yeah. when you get to that seventh and eighth and ninth and 10th hit, mm. you're like the tension's building and you're like, shoot, I really got to hit this or else. And so that's sort of a replication of, the stress that you might feel on stage 
Yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly right. Like once you get to that seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth uh, rotation of the repeater, you are like really feeling the pressure to hit it because you know once you hit 10, like you're done. You don't have to do that because it's boring and it sucks and you don't want to do it anymore. Um, and so it's a, that's a great way to practice under pressure. Like it's one thing for people to watch you. It's another thing for you to have this expectation for yourself that you don't want to miss. Um, and so, yeah, just doing that over and over again, especially like you might not always have an audience. You might not always have a way to have like external pressure placed upon you. So it's a great way to like internally create some kind of pressure for you to practice under. Yeah. I, I was just doing the pre-interview for Chris Toledo and we're going to talk about some similar stuff to that of other ways to get that. So if anyone's here, actually this might get published after his. So if you're hearing <laughs> this, go back in time and listen to him. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's really super important. Um, it also, there are two other things you're mentioning that tie into uh, one magic thing. And then one thing that I've been thinking about uh, in magic, there's a magician named Danny D'Artiz. He's incredible. If you look him up on YouTube, uh, he, he's the kind of magician that magicians watch and get just ridiculously fooled by because he just does stuff in a totally different way and with methods that no one else uses because he just made up his own methods. Taught himself yeah. magic. Anyway, that's crazy. And one thing that he talks about is doing things until you don't have to think about them anymore. Yeah. Um, because once, once it's in your muscle memory, you and you're doing it the same way every time you you don't have to think about it because when you're doing it and you're thinking about it that's when you're practicing and so if you just keep doing it until you're not thinking about it anymore and you can now expand outwards and start to do variations like you were talking about um and you can just play around with it then that almost becomes like a little a little usable tool that you're you're no longer uh i don't know it's not like you're you're forging for iron with a with a wooden axe and then mm-hmm. taking that iron and being able to do something with it. You already yeah. have the steel and now you're making something with steel. Like you've already worked up your right. way. Like, uh, it, it, I don't know. It's all a little bit like mining in that way. That's what I'm saying. Yo-yoing is like mining. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, because like most people, they, they do the, I'm not going to think about the trick before they've truly mastered it. And yeah. so then they're like, mess it up in practice. And like, yeah. that's not good practice. It's, um, it's so. like making a, a locomotive out of wood, out of all wood. Like, it just doesn't make yeah. sense. You need the yeah, burn down, like. stuff to build up to it. Right, right. Exactly. There. There's the analogy. <laughs> <laughs> we got to it. Uh, nice. sweet. So absolutely that. And then the other thing is, um, is that I, I, I've been talking or at least thinking a lot about how like tricks don't exist. Um, that a lot of times will be like, oh, skin the gerbil, that's that one trick. And it's like, no, that's just a series of elements that have been mushed together and they happen to go together well. And I think I right. talked to Doc Pop about that, who invented skin the gerbil. And I hope I didn't offend him when I was bringing that up. <laughs> um, it's like, I, I love how you're using, how you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, you take that trick, you turn it into a repeater and then you do that repeater a bunch of times. Which yep. like, that's totally how I see tricks is like, you learn skin the gerbil to get those elements down and then you just mm-hmm. skin the gerbil over and over until you get better at skin the gerbil and then you're like oh skin the gerbil kind of sucks let's go do let's go <laughs> take some of those elements and break them up and make variations and make it my own 
Yeah, like once you get bored of your tricks, that's when you should start making like harder versions or learning harder versions of your tricks or doing repeaters because then you're going to get really good at the original ones. So yeah, oh, completely. If yeah. Want to if you want to learn how to jump seven feet in the air, learn how to jump nine feet in the air, and then you yeah, know how to jump seven. Yeah. And like all these things I'm talking about too, like this did not come internally from me. Like Connor Skulton knows a lot of stuff and like credit goes to him. Like he really coached me through this. So just so listeners know, like he's the man who taught me this stuff. So I'm just happy that I can throw it out there. I will definitely hit him up also and see if, yeah. I mean, this podcast has worked out for about a year, but <laughs> seriously. I signed up a lot of people. I booked until March of 2023, I think. Uh, <laughs> Yo. There so many people. I, it sucks. I was talking to Jordan from OP Yo-Yos early in the contest. Yeah. And he was like, I was like, here's the sign-up sheet. Go ahead and just sign up whenever you get a chance. He's like, okay. And so then I keep going through the contest. And at that point, it was booked out for maybe a month. But then I keep going through the contest. And I'm like, oh, you are an awesome person. You would be great on this podcast. Oh, and you would also be good on this podcast. And you too. And then I'm like, oh, shoot. We are <laughs> a year and a half. So today, Jordan messages me on Instagram. And he's like, yo, there's no spots until a year from now. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> um, but good news for the listeners is there's some really good names on there. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy to have you on as a, this is sort of a, just so people know, I'll probably say it in the intro too. This is like a slightly different episode, which is partly because I really wanted to hear that, that yeah. uh, thing about consistency. Uh, and I wanted all of you to hear it too. Um, and uh, you, despite the fact that I'd booked it out for so long, but you're absolutely <laughs> welcome for a full episode uh, once, <laughs> once the schedule's a little clear. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Thank you. Absolutely, dude. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Want to wrap it up there? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Sounds good to me. I think we hit the, the main points. Sweet. Thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for making room for, you know, a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Oh, my God. This is so fun. It was really good getting to hang out with you also at the at the contest. Yeah. You too. You too, man. I love meeting everyone that I'd seen behind a screen for so long. Like, it was so great. So. Yeah. Thanks for walking up to the table and not being afraid to do that. <laughs> Dude, awesome. I had to say hi to everybody. That was great. Yeah. Well, cool. Right. Later. Bonus content. <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk about how we create repeaters now. Yeah. I just, we stopped recording and then I was, we were talking and I totally forgot that I wanted to know how do you take a trick and make it into a repeater? So, like there's certain things when, when you're creating a trick, especially when it's tech, you don't really think about how you can get into the trick in the middle of the sequence, you know? Um, so sometimes like your longer tricks, you're just going to have to do the whole trick over and over again. And that's going to be your repeater. But a lot of the time, like you will find yourself in mounts in your tricks that you can find a way to get into without having to do the whole trick over again. So I've got this trick um, that starts in a wrist mount. And I know that part of the way through it, I'm in kind of a 1.5 mount looking thing. If I want to practice one part of that trick that starts from the 1.5 mount, I can just go to that instead. 
and I can do like half of the trick um, if, if that's what's what my weakness is. Um, but especially with the meta in the United States, like a lot of people are doing slacky kind of tricks. And those are really easy to make repeaters from because they don't require any setup. So if you're so if you, if you have a lot of those like meta slack tension hook type things like those are that's what you're going to miss on stage. Like that, those are totally the things what your coordination is going to be off. Your hands are going to be shaking. That's the stuff you want to have repeaters for. So you learn how to do the trick in like every possible situation. Um, so, and, and those are the easiest tricks to make repeaters for, which is convenient. Um, so definitely do that. I, I mentioned earlier, Connor had me do like a one throw, all slacks, minute and a half, no misses type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't consider that a repeater, but when you're trying to film that video and you're doing all your slacks and like everything you got and you're trying not to mess up, you do it over and over and over again until you get it. Um, and then once you do get it, you've learned how to do it better. And um, also never in your routine are you gonna do that many slacks in a row. So when you actually do the couple slacks you have in one sequence, it's gonna seem way easier. Because you don't have to do it for a minute and a half anymore. You know, you're not working up to that. You're doing it for five seconds. So that also makes it a lot easier on you when you're actually doing the routine. That's such a good piece of advice. Like it's it's actually training. It's like you're going to the gym and yeah. doing more than what you actually need to do. Yeah, no, doing the routine is like the scrimmage. And people scrimmage way too often, but you know, it's not. You're, again, you're going on autopilot. You're just doing what you have to do to complete the routine at the end. You're not getting better at the actual tricks because um, you're not thinking about them enough. And so if you do them over and over again and you, um, you know, select specific things to focus on, um, then you'll get better. So I spent like a whole hour with Connor working on like that behind the back suicide drop thing I do. Um, it's like... It's like a little, like he taught me how to do a suicide, like a regular one and do it well. Um, and then he's like, okay, now apply the same thing to this one trick that you do. That's like a little bit different, but similar. And it was easier. And he's like, okay, great. We're going to do this for an hour now. And I did that trick for an hour and it's one point, one point. And I, you know, that's what it took though. Um, Cause I wasn't doing it consistently. And after that, I had it down. So didn't even think about it afterwards. But yeah, that's what it takes. So at least for me, but I'm sure that would work for a lot of people who are just scrimmaging and doing their routine over and over again, who could probably benefit from actually learning how to do their tricks better. Sweet. That is yeah. so, so good. How did you get in touch with Connor also? So Connor, um, so I work at Matt Kite, which is a toy store uh, down by the lake shore. I live like next to Lake Michigan, kind of. And it actually has a long yo-yo history. Um, Alan Nagao, Evan Nagao's dad, uh, knows the owner of Matt Kite really well. And so Matt Kite used to be called Yo-Yo Universe, and they would host the Michigan State Yo-Yo Contest. And so lots of yo-yoers um, have gone through that store and taught tricks and stuff. So um, I didn't know that. Like, it is literally just a coincidence that I got the yo-yoing and that Matt Kite and Connor are so close to me. Um, but I work there now and Matt Kite showed up at one of the yo-yo or Connor showed up at one of the yo-yo clubs Matt Kite hosted a couple years back. And he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I live in Zealand, 
which is a town half an hour away from me. And I was like, yo, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> for real? And, you know, he was the, for me, like, he was the yo tricks guy. Like, that's where I learned all my tricks from. And it was, it blew my mind that he lived just a drive away from me because I thought this dude was a legend um, and he still is. Um, so, yeah. And then, I, I don't know, he taught me how to click routines. He taught me what scored and stuff because I was ahead of most people at that yo-yo club. And um, he just kept in contact with me. And when I needed something or advice, you know, I, I texted him, asked him about stuff. Um, he taught me a lot about yo-yo history and, you know, where my tricks really come from. And um, he kind of opened my, kind of opened the world of yo-yoing for me a little bit. But he, he really loves it. So um, I think he was happy to have someone to, to give that to and to help. Um, so, yeah yeah no it's it's great it's I love yeah it. i'm very thankful yeah. shout out to connor yeah no seriously shout out to connor skull he's the man so yeah i went to nationals with him flew together it was great it's cool well sweet yeah then any anything else that we're forgetting here um one small thing yeah uh, i didn't do a lot of this with him but making variations of your tricks or finding variations of your tricks. Um, so like I have a couple of like meta green tri or red triangle slack things. Um, Connor had me learn like the inverse versions of those and I did them and they were really hard. And then I did the original slacks that I had already planned doing and they were easy. And so to do variations of your tricks is to help you, helps you master really the whole thing. You know, if you know how to do a bunch of different kinds of the trick that you're trying to pull off, then you know, you know, if you're only doing one on stage, it's going to be a lot easier for you because you're actually going to understand how the trick works. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's one thing you had me do for some of the tricks. But again, most of it was repeaters, rule of 10, make sure you got those down um, and do them all the time. Like I didn't run through my routine for a very long time. I just did straight repeaters and it was super boring and painful and I hated it. But at the end, I practiced the routine and like, it was so easy. Like it, I didn't think about it. It was that minute, 30 seconds, that 30 minutes was over. And I had like minus one and that was impossible for me a week before. So yeah, if, if, if you guys are preparing for a contest, do repeaters, practice those slacks, don't make mistakes, think about it. It's the best thing you can do. Absolutely. And to slide in, this works for not just competition, but performance too. If you're doing a yo-yo performance and you're too scared to do like advanced tricks. And so you just do Eli hops, but you want to do some crazy slack release. I don't know, like, like yeah. some really, really hard stuff. Just break it down, do the repeaters, train on it. That's what jugglers do. That's how they're able to do yeah. it. But like, Mm -hmm. yeah no this works for like a lot and like competitors too like this so many world champions have used this like technique to the repeaters and selecting certain weak parts of their routine and just doing them over and over again um this is tested and tried and it works and i noticed like so i street perform um down in front of the toy store because i live in a tourist town like lots of new people showing up every day okay. and like I use that time a lot to try to do some harder tricks 
Um, and yeah, when you were talking about performing, like it, it works. Like I'm doing a very different set of tricks for those for non-yo-yoers, but having done repeaters for a lot of them makes some of the more technical ones a lot easier to pull off. Oh, so yeah, doesn't matter. I, I, get, I think this rule applies to like basically everything. So <laughs> the, the yeah. only people that it's more important to hit a trick in front of than judges is a paying audience. <laughs> Dude, no, literally, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, if I if I hit this trick, you know, they're gonna be they're gonna say, whoa, and then they're gonna yeah, give yeah. me a couple bucks. You gotta hit it, you know? <laughs> Especially if you're busking, man. Oh yeah. Damn. I have so much to talk about when you come back on. I wanna I wanna hear so much more about your uh about busking. Yeah, no, dude, it's it's great. I love it. It's like probably my second favorite thing to actually competing in wow. yo-yo. Like even to just like throwing around and hanging out with people and learning tricks, like I love doing that. It's so great, especially when like a kid walks into the toy store and gets a yo-yo because he thinks it's so cool that I'm yo-yoing. And then like I get to like teach him a trick or like teach him how to throw it correctly and stuff like that is the best. So, yeah, no, I love it. I got all set up. It's great. It's a nice little side hustle. <laughs> Man, that's it. What do you... Yeah, screw it. We're gonna talk about it. What do you? What do you? How did you get started on that? I think I don't even know to be honest with you. I can't remember the. I had like, I think I had like a family member say something to me about how, like, oh, if you put a hat out, you know, like kind of like as a joke, you put a hat out, people would give you money. I was like, oh yeah, whatever. I was terrified of doing that, you know. Uh, in fact. it's funny I was listening to a podcast earlier they were talking about like why putting yourself out there is difficult and for me it was this idea that like why would I go out there like why am I special and I didn't feel like I had a lot to offer but I kind of finally worked up the nerve to go out there with a speaker and make some commotion um and thankfully people were really interested and I was very happy about that so I've slowly gotten better. Um, I think at first I just had like this like teeny little like JBL speaker and I put my yo-yo bag out and I just like, there wasn't anything except me, the speaker and my yo-yos on the ground. And I just did that. Um, I got this like black sheet and like orange cones and like a big box mm-hmm. and uh, like a, this bigger like speaker that makes lots of noise now. So like, it looks pretty legit. And um, I've built that up slowly over time. Um, but yeah, like I started because somebody said, Hey, throw a hat down, something might happen. So <laughs> are, are you yeah. just doing straight yo-yoing or are you going out and like doing bits and like crowd work or anything like that? Um, sometimes I'll do crowd work. So like, um, like most of it's just like, I throw, like, I've got a pop playlist and then I just like freestyle to the songs, right? I do Eli hops and neck tricks and arm stuff, legs, you know? um once I have like a little crowd usually the the crowd work comes to me they're usually they ask me like oh can you do walk the dog ha 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 you know and I'm like oh yeah can you do it though and so I'll give them a yo-yo and then they they do it um and then that gets people interested and then again like kids will come out and I teach them how to throw a yo-yo and stuff or um or or they'll say I like this one they'll be like oh like 
how have you hit anyone in the face? And then we'll do like an Eli hop, like really close to their nose or something. Oh, and they're yeah. like, oh, hit me. And then I do it again and again and again. And then they realize I can control it. And then, you know, it's like a little, little, a little stunt, you know? So that's great. Yeah, no, it's really fun. It's, it's super fun. I love it. Damn, dude, you got to look up um, Gazo. He's a, mm-hmm. he's like, the magic street performer everybody uses his cups and balls routine and he's he's got busking down to a science nice nice <laughs> goes around lecturing on it um Sweet. yeah no yeah. what was that yeah, no, it's it's definitely an art like you gotta learn how to do it it's not just like going out there and throwing the yo-yo around or anything like you gotta know like what tricks to do when and how to appeal to an audience, especially because it changes. Like people like walk, they watch, they might give you a tip and then they move on, right? Yeah. And there's tons of different people walking around. So I've got like, I've got like half of my playlist is for like most people, right? Who watch. And then like part of it has like specific things for like middle-aged women and like little kids and like old people and <laughs> you know like music choice um and so I can play those songs for them and then I you know I, I I'm geared up like when I see the old guys walking I'm like okay get ready to talk about Duncan Yo-Yo you know yep uh, when the the moms come up okay get, get ready to play some Taylor Swift you know <laughs> so I gotta like I gotta I gotta watch the playlist and change the song and stuff so yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah, and it works. Like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, how many tips will I get in this segment of time if I do this? And it, yeah, it's, I got it down right now. So it's great. Oh man, that's, that's so sick. I, I, I know very, very little about busking. I want, I have wanted to get into busking for so long and then I keep just not doing it. What I do yeah. know is that just from listening to enough, uh, magicians on various podcasts talking about it is that if you can bust you can do you can perform anywhere like it's mm. the hardest crowd in the world if you can really? have a crowd there and then hold their attention like you can do that in a theater easily which is kind of yeah. like what I'm saying with the repeaters of like you learn them you do the harder ones you just get it 10 times in a row and then you can do the the normal one simple mm-hmm. you know that that's interesting you bring that up because I've noticed like like, I, I don't always have a crowd. Like, most people just, like, watch me for a little bit in passing, and then I, I get some money, and, and that's it. But sometimes I have a big crowd, and I, I don't know how to hold their attention all the way. Like, I can talk to them as much as I want, but if I talk to a couple people, I lose the attention of everyone else because I'm not yo-yoing at that point. Mm. So, I, I don't, yeah. So, you, you know, I don't know what I can do. What was that? You got to watch Gazo. He no, seriously. The way. Let me write that down right now. How do you spell that? He's easy He's the man. I'm telling you, magicians have this all figured out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, because like, I, I would love to maintain that crowd. Like, that'd be great. Yep. But usually it sticks around for like three songs, like maybe like 10 minutes, they'll have a crowd and then it'll slowly like go away. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I'd like to keep it for like an hour. That'd be, <laughs> yeah. I saw a video of some guys were like yo-yoing in New York City and the police like told them to leave because there were too many people gathered and it was like causing traffic jams and stuff. <laughs> like, I want to do that. 
Like, <laughs> like I want to do that. <laughs> That'd be sweet. <laughs> Maybe I got to go into competition with you. I'll go into Venice, Venice Beach and start. <laughs> you know, I actually set up with my friend Julian a long time ago. He and I just like put out JV, JVL speaker and yeah. uh, we got there early in the morning on Venice and we, we just yo-yoed. We had no idea what we were doing. We we're just like, we weren't even very good yet too. Yeah. And, and we got, I think like $3 in tips for two hours of work. <laughs> no, I, that's not, I, got, I stayed outside for like three hours one day and I got $14. Like oh, that's man. just how it starts. So, you that's know, so <laughs> go, yeah, it's, you just gotta figure it's like I don't even know how to I wouldn't I don't even know how to teach that. Like you just gotta go out there and figure it out, honestly. You'll learn like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, and you know what? That helps me a lot in like competition. Like there were a lot of things I realized I was doing automatically that helped my performance that I didn't even realize. Um and Connor brought that up to me the day of. He looked at me before I got on stage, you know, like a couple minutes before I got on stage. He was like, you know how to freestyle better than like everyone here. Like, remember that. And the crowd was just like hype when I got up there and I kept that going. And I was, yeah, I was ecstatic about that. So, yeah, I mean, there's just like certain eye contact things. Um, oh, okay. Sorry, I'm like going so long. I just had another idea in my head. We can, we like, can go for the full three hours. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> sweet okay uh, i was talking so i was talking to dazzling dave after the contest we we're at the airport and i was like showing him my routine again and because he judged it and i was like picking his brain like okay how, how was this trick what could i do better here and he told me something about like getting the crowd's attention or working up the crowd okay dazzling dave hates it when people do like the hand thing like the give me attention like give me a cheer thing he hates that because what happens is one it feels like you're begging for the attention you haven't gotten because your routine sucked and two after you do that he's like he said 90 percent of the time they mess up the next trick and then the crowd goes silent and it just ruins the routine like it just ruins the performance evals and so a thing he picked out that he liked that I did was after I did a trick, I like pointed to myself and I was like, yeah, that was awesome. And then I motioned towards the next trick I was going to do. Kind of threw my hand out a little bit. And he told me that that tells the audience, okay, look what I did. That was awesome. Now watch this. And that's not something like I realized I was doing. I think I picked that up while I was street performing because I, I don't know, subconsciously found that people reacted well to that. Um, and, and so I think that's something I just picked up that most people might not if they don't yo-yo in front of a non-yo-yoing audience. But as a judge, he said he doesn't like when people like do the, yeah, give me attention, you know, like hand wave thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, Evan Nagao does it, but like he gets to do it because he's Evan Nagao and it doesn't impact his routine. <laughs> but like when he yeah, does it, it's for real. <laughs> Yeah, no, when he does it, like it's it's for real. He's like, yeah, that was dope. Like, <laughs> yeah, give me some, give me some noise for that one. But it's, yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of because we 
as yo-yoers don't really perform like magicians perform generally they end up yeah. doing performances because that's how you get good um yeah. and so i mean there's a lot of bad magicians out there but on the whole i think magicians are better performers than yo-yoers because they're out there actually performing for non-magicians and yo-yoers by only doing stuff for yo-yoers and by only knowing yo-yoers at yo-yo contests mm-hmm. all of our performance knowledge is based on how do you do a good freestyle? How do you do a freestyle that makes uh, me as a 12 year old watching a YouTube video go, oh, that guy's so cool and dope. I'm gonna do this <laughs> like him. Cause that's what all of us were. And so, like, and so that hand thing is exactly one of those. I actually did that in my freestyle, which was fully improvised. Like I, my yo-yo was dead for half the time. I didn't really care. I was just kind of having fun doing flow stuff. Yeah, no, that was funny. I like that. <laughs> I almost did the hand thing ironically because I was halfway through a dead yoga routine. <laughs> and I was like, come yeah. on. Uh, yeah. Man, Dazzling Dave talked to me about that. And he's, I was like, so what do you think about my routine? He's like, you were just messing around, right? And I was like, well, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Sort of. Yeah. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. it was... Uh, that so I, I forget where I'm getting at. Um That's okay. <laughs> but but another another thing that I want to get on. Oh yeah, yeah. So when when you go out and you actually perform for real people, you get you get the actual applause applause cues and you can train yourself right. to be like, oh, this is where they're applauding. Maybe I should pause yeah. and let them applaud for me. Um or you can like hold a pose. Like there's a lot of different ways to ask for applause. Um and something else I realized, and it kind of ties into something that we talked about before my accidental break in this episode, um, <laughs> we paused it and came back, was uh, uh, that, that like your hands will be shaking for, for some stuff. And, and yeah. the more you practice it, and the more you're confident with it, and the more that you can like, you know, dance around different, um, different situations as they come up, mm-hmm. the less your hands shake and the more confident you are. Um, I found that I, I don't shake at all when I'm doing improv, I do improv comedy and like, I am, I am just like, so, so present when I'm doing that. And I don't, I'm not ever nervous. I get bad stage fright. I used to shake really, really bad for magic and yo-yoing. Um, but the more I've done improv and, uh, I don't know if it, for this last freestyle, just because it was all an improvised routine or Mm -hmm. if it was because, uh, I've just been yo-yoing more, um, but I was like, not shaking. I was just there and present and able to to flow with it. And like, it, it just felt so much better than other routines where I was like, oh, I want to hit these tricks. And then I went and tried to hit them and, and missed a bunch of them because I was shaking so much. And I went, oh, I, I was shaking so much. So like, yeah. I don't know if I was able to stop shaking because it was improvised and because improv just doesn't make me shake or um, if being doing improv and doing performances more um just got me able to be more present when i'm on stage and Mm -hmm. learn how to hold myself more as a performer and like you know move the crowd's attention um i don't know (laughs) i don't know i mean it might be that for you i know like for me like and i feel like this is the same for most people like when you're yo-yoing to music, you're doing a routine, you feel like really rushed to hit music cues. And so you're willing to like 
for whatever reason in your brain, you're willing to speed up the trick and like totally like only halfway do it and get a negative point just so you can keep up with the music because you're like nervous about falling behind and stuff. And when you're doing improv, like it doesn't matter because there isn't a set of tricks that you're trying to do in a row. There aren't a set of music cues you're trying to hit. So the alignment of your tricks to the music, like doesn't matter. So you're less stressed about that. So yeah, like that makes sense that you'd be more present. Um, I definitely noticed that too when I'm uh, street performing and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, that's all. I just, I would argue, and that's why we're here. Sorry, what was that? that uh, I would argue that in improv, um, there's, you you are still going for music cues because I knew that song really, really well. But oh, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's different because you can change how you're going to approach that music cue if you're coming up to it and you're like, oh shoot, I can't do this trick, but I can do this and it'll still look cool. And then you just like go into that new different thing. Maybe you do a, a, a faster whip instead of a, a slower, like building up kind of a trick to that music cue, if that makes sense. So yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, like, yeah, okay, better way to phrase that. Like you're still going for music cues, but like yeah. they're not so planned out that the routine has to be rigid. You yes. can just kind of do it proactively. Mm-hmm. Like when you anticipate a beat drop, you know, it's like, oh, I'm in this mount. I can do this cool thing. So, you know, now I'm going to do it. Now it's I not will. like I have to do it. What was that? Now I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'll do it just because I can, you know, not because I have to set up these three tricks to get to it, you know. Yes. That, yeah, no, that's oh, man, that stresses me out. Just thinking about that right now stresses me out. Hands start shaking. <laughs> yeah, no, really. Like, okay, so like, there's this one part in my semifinal at Nationals. It's the uh, horizontal combo. I had like a really hard time. Um, I took out like two clicks of that combo. Like there were two hops I did that I totally eliminated because I felt rushed when I I did it. And if I didn't land the music cue on time, if I didn't hit that last bind, one, I needed to hit the bind. Two, if I didn't, I needed to plan time to recover because if I didn't hit it and I took too long, then the last trick, the ending trick, I would have to sacrifice clicks for to stay on time um, or I would just screw it up. And so like in a routine, like a, a planned routine, like you really got to be careful about timing and like allowing yourself time to make potential mistakes the day of, and then to, um, you know, make sure that when you're doing the next trick, when you're transitioning, you don't rush yourself and then miss tons of points um because that, that that'll kill your routine so I, I, had, I had to cut out like tons of like that trick is like that horizontal combo was like halfway to how i practice it like that's like a halfway finished combo we did on stage yeah anything that you can do to improve <laughs> even mm-hmm. just make your time on stage easier and less stressful like mm-hmm. i love that like people like they try to cram in so much stuff like I don't know like I get it like you want to cram in more so then you can score higher but you're just gonna mess it up like inevitably you're just gonna get up there and you're gonna fumble the bag you're gonna hit like negative 20 or something and you're gonna go from fourth place to 
you know, whatever, or, or first place. So like, that's the difference between first place and third place. You know, yeah. it's like, how many times did you screw up? So um, yeah, like if you, and like, okay, every time you get a negative click, a positive click does not cancel out a negative click because your negative click carries so much more weight than the positive ones since it's, it's a lower, um, it's a much lower, uh, oh, what's the word? Like you have more positive clicks in a routine than you do negative clicks, right? And so every negative click is worth so much more than every positive click. You know what I mean? Higher, do you mean? What was that? Is it, is it like weighted higher? Yeah, it's like weighted more because okay. like, like one one hundredth is less than one twentieth. Oh, I you know, see. I see what you mean. Yeah, like okay, yeah, like the proportion's different. But yeah, so so every time you miss a positive, so every time you you miss, like that negative click is going to impact your routine way more than one positive click is going to, because generally you're making more positive clicks, right? Mm. And so if you can eliminate those, one, you don't lose. You don't get a positive point taken away because that's what those negative points do. But two, you also are not losing the opportunity of gaining a positive point. So if so, if you're at you know ten clicks and then you miss something, you're now at nine. You could have been at eleven. So the disparity is two. So you're kind of what you're getting at is it's like you. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you literally just said it. It's, it's that, that you could have had nine. You, each, each negative point is really two points that you missed. That There's the one that you missed, yeah. and then there's also the negative. Yeah, right. And that's a huge difference. And so, so like, if you miss, like, 20, like, like say if you have a freestyle that you hit, it's, like, 110 clicks, but you miss 20 of them, like – you don't have a 90 scoring freestyle. You have a 70 scoring freestyle now, you know? So, or wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you missed the positive point and you're getting one taken away. And that's just like, that's a big deal. So don't cram too much stuff in there. I, I learned that lesson the hard way. I, I was like, I was going to win Eastern Canadian regionals. And I just nodded the yo-yo and I messed up a ton because I was rushing myself and... <laughs> It was bad. Okay, long rant about negative clicks. Uh, <laughs> over. <laughs> that's all good. I think that's super important. There's something. So there's a uh, kind of generally. I've I've been very against competitive yo-yoing. Not very against, but just like I have a. I think it's. I think there's a lot of problems with it. But after Nats, I I I was telling you about this. I want to figure out partly just like for research i want to do well in prelims next year uh and semis so that i can go to finals and uh screw around the same way that i screwed around this time in prelims yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like i i want to have a full three minutes to 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 score no points and score as low as possible but to be able to get to that three minutes first i have to pass prelims and semis yeah. And to be able to do that, I have to, or uh, I at least I get to learn about competitive yo-yoing because uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've been so outspoken against it, uh, and that's another reason I want to have you on is just to like learn what I should start working on. Um, mm -hmm. 
probably build up to that, which putting this out into the world, hopefully I, I actually hold myself to it and do it because it'd suck if I come back in a year and I'm like, oh shoot, I meant to, I do it and then I get to the prelims and I like, my hands start shaking again and I, I screwed up, but that's, com that's competing. Well, we'll be learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so like you just want to get more consistent and like score enough to get through, basically. Yeah, that's, that's it. So I can get to finals and, and then mess around. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm talking like I'm an absolute expert when in reality I did well at like a single contest. But <laughs> like there are people who might be listening to this who are way more experienced who like think, I am such a know-it-all, but um, let's see here. Like, First of all, not at all. I think that um, when people have just learned something is a good time to learn it from them because like if mm -hmm. I talk to Evan, he might have forgotten the stuff that he, that he did. Yeah. He's been winning for so long. Or Gentry, like right. they'll have a lot of knowledge, but it'll be a different yeah coming from them than from someone who yeah. just went yeah. through that process you know yeah like they can't recall it as well like it's just yeah. so obvious to them they don't think to talk about it yeah yeah um okay so thank you <laughs> reaffirms my um yeah ability to talk about it but um yes so do you have like do you have like tricks that you know score well already or do you need to create those no, I really don't know anything about the scoring system. Like I have actively avoided competitive yo-yoing for seven years because I've been trying to work on this other style. And so, okay, so like you don't know anything about how stuff is scored right now. I know that you don't repeat tricks. I know that uh, string hits score well. I, I generally know that like the harder it is, the more points that it scores. Right. Like I, I think I used to click routines with uh with my friend but we were kind of just messing around and we would get wildly different scores yeah yeah um okay so tricks that score well um so the reason everyone does slacks is because those are really easy to see and so every time you do a hook or a brent stole or something it's like okay obviously that is one point so click click you know and so tricks that are easy to see score well that's why everybody's doing slacks and stuff um i think as far as like tech if you make those string hits really well defined um that scores well so it might not be very difficult for you to hit the string but if you make it really obvious that you're hitting the string that's going to prompt the judges to give you another click so i have this one um wrist mount combo I do I can do that combo really fast but I know if I do it really fast so I can cram more tricks into the routine a I'm going to mess it up more b the judges are not going to be able to see every single click um and so if you slow it down and you really define every time the yo-yo hits a string they're more likely to give you a point for it and so I see like so like Chris Toledo does a really good job at this Chris has these complicated tricks, but inside of the tricks are a, a lot of slacks. So they're super, it's super easy to see when he's scoring a point, 
and B, he like does the trick slow enough that judges can see every time he hits the string. Mm. So like I, I've scored a lot of routines to kind of test that theory out. And if the judge has to like debate rather or not an element you just did scores a point, you're probably not going to get the point. With Chris, every time I score Chris's routines, like it is so cut and dry and obvious when I should give him a point. Um, so like slacks probably score the best right now, but um, you know, even, even tech that aren't slacks, as long as you're exaggerating the movement, even, a, even just a little bit or slowing it down, like that's going to make it score a lot better. Um, like I don't really focus on getting double clicks and doing super hard ones. Um, I think the variability in how judges click, you know, bangers is kind of too much for me to like have to think about. Um, I just know that there's certain binds. So like I've got that one, I don't know what you call it. Shiana Raya does it too. He likes to end his routines off with the overhead, like wit catch thing. Um, yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that makes sense to, to listeners. Um, and so like, I know like that one, that one took me a long time to learn. Like that one is a plus two at least. Um, but I don't like really think about hitting bangers too much. If you can't hit that banger, like 90% of the time, you probably shouldn't put it in the routine. Um, but if you do do the banger, it needs to hit a string. So like Paul Kerbal, when he does the backflip around the world thing, that scores zero. Like that scores nothing. Oh, <laughs> like when, when, when he does like like the handstand, like um, like cartwheel thing, that also scores nothing. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> like, and, and that's part of like, he does it anyway, cause like it's sweet. Like it's part of the performance evaluation. Like um, he, gets, he, he gets points for it in the evals, but as far as clicks, he's getting nothing for it. So um, yeah, you just gotta make sure you like your bangers hit strings and do a lot of slacks and make sure you define the non-slack elements in tech tricks. Um, and it's all good after that. Oh, also front style tricks. Okay. Another thing I was talking to Dazzling Dave about, um, he gets to the point where like, if you do enough, like he likes when speed combos and front style combos are short because if they're too long, it all starts to look the same. And so, um, you just like we'll stop clicking the whole trick after a while it's like okay you just did that rotation how do i know it's different than what you did before mm -hmm. so i've got like like my my front style combos actually a little bit longer than a lot of people's um but everything i do and it's like a little bit different and you'll notice with like evan Nagal, um dazzling dave also brought this up to me he was like every single thing evan does and every single combo is different like he never does the same thing. Like, like no combo looks the same at all. Um, so these players who get up there and they have like their, you know, six tech tricks that they do and they all have like similar elements in them. Technically they're different, but if you're judging someone from the booth and you have to think about how different the trick is to determine rather or not they get a point, you're probably not going to get the point. So just like you have to make everything look really different. So I've got in my combo, I've got like a boingy boing variation. I've got a barrel roll. 
I've got an outside string hit, an inside string hit. Um, and then I've got like a, uh, a pop and fresh thing, right? Like those are five very distinctly different elements. And he told me that those score well because they're very obvious, you know, that you can spot those out. Um, yeah, I, I think in, the reason why like speed was so popular in Asia much longer than it was in the United States um, is because they still, some of them still do string hits. So like they used to just like do string hits and stuff. And so that's what scored. And that's why everyone was doing speed tricks on like 2014 and stuff and like roll tricks. Um, some of them still do that there. And so if some of those players came to the United States um, at a contest and just did their speed combos over and over again, they probably wouldn't score very high because uh, it all starts to look the same after a while and their hits aren't defined. So, um, yeah, I was actually talking about that in a, in a group chat, in the Duncan group chat, uh, Polo, uh, Polo Garb Kamal and uh, uh, Jonathan Sittingang were talking about um, how, like, the judging system in Asia is a little bit different. Like, some of them still do string hits, which is crazy because that was, like, that that went away a long time ago. Um, but, yeah, some of those Asian players might not score as high just because their tricks are not as well-defined. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. It's also interesting – I forget where I was talking about it, but someone might have been – like, I overheard Gentry or someone. It doesn't matter. Uh, mm -hmm. They were just, like, talking about how preparing for Worlds, you have to prepare for all the different judges that are at Worlds. And yeah. And like you have to know all the different people that are going to be there and you kind of have to know the lay of the land for that and just how that changes your your preparation because mm -hmm. like you're you you're not just doing it for your own little regional contest and even if you win your regional contest you might really screw it up god where was i talking to somebody about this i feel like it was really recently like it was for the podcast even it might be on the podcast somewhere anyway uh it's just what you're saying of like different places are going to score different things and it's going to affect different things and it's also like the performance style of different cultures it comes down to that as well of <clears throat> i mean generally uh japanese theater is like like kabuki it's very um oh god everything Japanese culture is so cool. Everything's so precise and like yeah. everything, like it's so well, like it's just got this incredible art about it. And then like yeah. some of American theaters, like, you know, just some some like people in a <laughs> homeless <laughs> students with like their street clothes in a theater, like like that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like, just different performance styles for different cultures. It, it's yeah. just really interesting. Um, and I, like like masks don't really show up in American theater so much, whereas mm -hmm. uh, in other cultures that every like a lot of the performances have masks in them, and that's a huge performance part. Anyway, I'm going off on performances in different <laughs> cultures now, but I think it all kind of you know it's similar. I, I'm trying yeah. to still keep this as a uh, as a performance based podcast. So that I don't fall off into becoming a uh, <laughs> just yeah no no competition, but I think it no like, no like it's important though because like sorry you go you go 
Oh, no, no, go ahead. Okay, um, but yeah, like, I, so I've never been to the World Yo-Yo Contest before. I have no idea what that's like. I want to go super bad. It's probably awesome. But like, I can imagine the World Yo-Yo Contest is not hard to win just because obviously there's more people there. And so there's more better players. But because the judging is just so radically different from where it's at in your region of the world. Like, I, I can't, I, I remember Gentry Stein was talking about studying the judges too. This was like a long time ago in some video I watched on YouTube. I can probably dig it up later. But he talked about like, and I, I partially heard this from a story of, uh, from I think Connor, I think. But like Gentry went to, like before he won Worlds in Prague in 2014, like he, he traveled there for like a week before or something like that. And he really got to know like the judges and he asked people around like, what, what are they looking for in this? And what are they looking for in this? And he like really designed that routine around like specific people that he knew were going to be there. Like it became less about performing and like how much or like, or no, or no, it became more about performing actually. Like it became less about just doing tricks that he thinks scores well. And then like, actually figuring out like the um like biases of the judges and like the things they personally like to see you know and so it became more like performing for a specific crowd of people which i thought at the time i heard that i was like that's so try hard like whatever like no one does that but like that's how he won the world yo-yo contest the first time like it's legit so yeah i wonder how many find people out who the judges are <laughs> Yeah, like kind of important. Have them yeah. score. Like the judging system is not as cut and dry as like we'd like it to be. Like it's there's a high variation. Like someone might do like someone. I remember like Michael Fertico. Remember when he was on like a winning streak for he won like six contests in a row or something like that. Like he just for whatever reason had tricks that he knew scored well. He did like one routine like a million times in a row and just won a bunch of contests around here so like he had that down and then I, I can't remember what contest it was but he did something similar and he did not score as well like he just didn't place as high and that was weird to me because I was like he, similar level of contests you know and maybe I can talk to him later ask him about that which one that was but like there was like he went on a winning streak and then there was one he did similar tricks and he just didn't do as well for whatever reason and nothing seemed to be that different it's just like judge's preference, you know? Yeah. So, no, that's a big deal. I didn't really think about that when I first started. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't think about that before nationals either. I just kind of listened to Connor. He was like, yeah, your tricks are fine. Just don't mess up. Like, literally, like, literally the whole thing is like, like it feels like he was telling me, um, even if there is judge bias and like certain judges are looking for different things and you just, you know, if you just don't mess up, like everyone can see negative clicks, you know, it's like everyone's going to get a negative click if they see it, but um, so just don't have them. And so <laughs> maybe your routine might score lower than other players based off judges preference. But if you just don't have negative clicks, you know, you're going to have better performance evals too, you know. Then what you're so, telling me is I should do, like the the yo-yoing equivalent of mary had a little lamb as my prelim <laughs> just go out there and do like boingy boing and skin the gerbil and 
Don't do skin the gerbil. <laughs> that trick probably scores nothing. <laughs> that like maybe the whole sequence scores the one thing. Well, okay, so like every string hit needs to be an element though. Still, like skin the like okay like the reason okay did, have you noticed that horizontal combos have changed? Like it's a lot of hops now. There's like no like rotating kind of tricks. Yeah, because those rotations don't score anything. So you have to do like a redirect to get a point for that. So if you do skim the gerbil, maybe the whole sequence will get one point, maybe. And so it's got to like, that's why slacks are so good. Cause it's like, it's something that's, that's difficult and easy to see and like well-defined, you know, but like making like every, okay. Like the general rule I follow when I make tricks is if I hit a string in the mount is different than it was before in a way that I cannot get back to the previous place I was at. So if I hit a string and it's not easy for me to, to go back to the place I was at before I hit that string, then that's an element. Okay. Cause I've, I've changed something within the trick that doesn't allow me to go backwards, mm. you know? And so then like, okay, something has, seriously like changed in the trick and therefore i did an element right but then and then it's like okay well if it's a small change how do i make it look more presentable to people um and so i've been that's why i've been doing like the same three tricks my whole life is because like i knew how to make those presentable <laughs> and i just stuck with those and it's really hard to make tricks that score well and that you can present well but yeah, like when I, whenever I'm coming up with a contest trick, it's like if I can do that same, if I can go back to where I was at before, it might not score well. So you got to like change something enough to the point that the trick is the whole mount is different, you know. That yeah. I think kind of gets the root of why my style does not score. Everything <laughs> that I do is basically one degree away from a trapeze like it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trapeze or nearly a trapeze um yeah right. or like a slack that if i drop everything it's a trapeze yeah yeah right right yeah so i mean like once you like start developing like more techie kind of tricks like you'll start to notice like you'll start to like your brain will go oh that's a point you know and okay. then suddenly this jumbled like you'll start looking at it um not as string hits but like as elements so be like okay i did that element and then this part and then this part and then this part like i'd break my my tricks have like three parts it's got like a beginning an opening and an ender and that's not something i tried to do it's just something i started noticing like mm -hmm. i just like naturally started to create in tricks once I started looking at tricks as elements and, you know, points that I could potentially be scoring at a contest. So, yeah, I don't know. It just like takes time to like look at, cause your tricks are like, your tricks are dope, but like, yeah, in contests, they don't do well. So. Yeah, no, they will do nothing. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do nothing. Which, they will score nothing. Which like sucks because <laughs> I really wish that we had more like i am sick of watching brent stoles and like tension slacks and stuff like mm -hmm. especially in the united states it's like the worst here 
it is so annoying and I'm so guilty of it. Like I definitely did that at nationals, but I just, there's no, I don't I mean, you have to have your original stuff to do well, but like, there's just so much tension, slack, crap, you know, <laughs> and like GT and it's like, uh, you know, hey, yeah. I went, kid who did next stole and he was like very young and he hit that it was so cool you made me so happy <laughs> yeah that was dope and you could tell that kid like didn't know how to do a lot of other things but he knew how to do next door like oh yeah he got next door hard it's just so funny like there's such a divide between like the new generation players and like us yeah like that kid's learning like the most complicated like high level tricks and probably can't do skin the gerbil more than twice in a row. <laughs> you know? It's so no, funny. I was his age. I was uh I got I got 2.5 hook and I was like I'm the coolest. I'm the best. I can do the hardest trick in the world. And now right. like, everybody can do 4.0 and I'm like oh shit. <laughs> Dude, okay, I have a confession. I have a confession to make. Yeah. A point in time that we're recording this podcast, I cannot do 2.5. Wow. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh I, don't, I can do 1.5. I can do 2.0. I can do 3.5 sometimes. I cannot do 2.5. That's crazy. 2.5 is easier to me than 2.0. I <laughs> no. I can't do 2.5, bro. I, I, <laughs> I tried to I'm going to tell you exactly what Connor told you. You're going to do it 10 times in a row. <laughs> Seriously. Connor looked, at, Connor looked at me when I told him that. And he was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, <laughs> he's, so he's having, like, that's, he's got, so, like, we're, we're preparing for, like, next nationals right now. So he's having me learn a trick a day. And then on the side, I'm doing, like, a harder trick. Like, right now, I'm on 2.5. And I don't think I'm getting off of that for, like, a month. Like, I cannot do that trick for the life of me. There's it, just something about landing both strings on my right hand that I can't figure out. <laughs> and I don't know why. Is it like a technical thing? Of I don't know. I can't, like, I can't swing the slack like efficiently enough. Oh no. So <laughs> I know, like I haven't figured out the momentum yet. Like that's where I'm at. But I can do 2.0 easy. I, I know that Tyler has that thing with seasick that he can't land seasick. I can't do that either. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh man. Well, I here we'll go that. through all of them. Can you do next stole? I can't no. do that. I can't do that. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I can't figure that one out. Um, yeah. The another one that I know is Yoshi Mikamoto, who's like, I don't know if you know him. He he taught all of the best, you know, like Alex Atori, Grant Johnson. Uh, I recognize that name. He's he, yeah. he he taught me and Justin and like a lot of lot of really good yoyos, um, oh. and he. Uh, oh, and Patrick Borderding also, and a bunch of other oh, people. Nice. Goddamn, he's so cool. Anyway, he uh, is like really good at foray, and he, he he was doing solo ham like before anyone else was doing solo ham. Really? And, but he can't do that one bind where you throw it down like like a four, like a like a front style throw um, yeah. and then you pull up and then the slot goes over your shoulder and then you bind it there he he, well, can't, he can't do that he can't do that bind <laughs> dude i can do that <laughs> i know <laughs> so funny 
to there. You're better than Yoshi Mikamoto. Uh, yeah, right. It's like all those kids who can do next goal, but like can't do anything else. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for real though. Like oh, that's like the biggest meme in my life right now. Like I cannot do 2.5 and I just got top five at Nats. Like it's stupid. <laughs> it's so at dumb. A, at least that's a, it's, that is still a really hard trick. Like that is not an easy trick. It's just yeah, a like, lot of people are doing it now. Everyone can do it. And I feel like I'm the only one who can't. <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. I'm yeah. stuck at 3.5. I've I've gotten some 3.0s. I don't think I've gotten a 3.5 yet. Wait, 3.5, you're still landing it on your dominant hand, right? Yes. Okay, okay. I can do 3.0. I can okay. do 3.0. I can do 2.0. I can't do 2.5. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't do 3.5 enough. What? Maybe practice 1.5 with a really short string. Well, I started, I practiced 1.5. I like whip the string twice mm-hmm. and then I land it. Like I do two rotations and then land it to like simulate the motion of. Oh. So, so at least, so at least I can feel what it feels like to have the string land on my dominant index finger. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Cause like, I just don't know what it feels like to hit. Part of it is like, I don't know what it feels like to hit a 2.5, you know? So I don't even know what I'm aiming for. Mm. And so once I hit it once, I'm sure it'll be easy for me after that, but I just haven't hit it once. So I have no idea. I like, I kind of hit it partially one day and then it like fell off my finger and I didn't remember it well enough to like practice for it. So yeah. Keep working on it. It I, I just love how they flow because <clears throat> I, mm-hmm. I like to land 2.5s and then I do a couple of rotations like little pinwheels around my throw hand and yeah. shoot it out and then start doing like some black hops from a 3.0 um, yeah. like kind of combos from there I, I really like how that flows together yeah um, I want to learn 2.5 so then I can go into an over the head combo from it like Connor Seals does oh yeah I want to do that really bad because I've got a cool I, I started developing a cool overhead combo thing which is like actually like black hops it's not just bouncing off the string like i actually hit new ones which is hard for me and i want to be able to do 2.5 into that like that would score points but yeah (laughs) whatever (laughs) this whole like follow-up routine that you know is gonna like shoot you to the top of the yo-yo game but you have to learn 2.5 to to start it dude they used to have like connor was telling me about like them having to have like oh i can't remember like the term but you used to have to do like a certain number of tricks to be able to qualify to freestyle. Mm. And if literally I would not be able to compete if I couldn't do 2.5, if that, oh, oh compulsory trick. Um, I think they're compulsory tricks. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you did those before to like prove that you were like competent mm. to compete in a freestyle division, right? And then you could do it. If we still had those and one of those tricks was 2.5, I'd be finished, dude. I'd be so I'd be done. <laughs> oh my god. Oh Just my imagine god. if like Seasick took out Tyler Severance and that one bind took out Yoshi, and then we just have like these shitty players at the top <laughs> because they're the only ones who can get through. They can do the basic ones and everyone else is like straggling. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh, that's good. But well, whatever. I'll figure it out later. <laughs> I, I believe in you. And I don't know, this got want to keep talking. 
or I, end it sure here. do you have more like i can i love this i got no more questions but like i i could keep going dope yeah same like i love yo-yo so much like i'll talk about them all night like <laughs> right here let's talk let's do the um let's do the intro this is turning into a full episode very slowly so let's do the the intro questions what what is your backstory in yo-yoing how did you get into yo-yoing oh my gosh so um this is fun okay so um my first introduction to yo-yoing was a friend brought a yo-yo to school and at the time this was like when kendamas were really popular at my school and so like the kendama kendamas were like a whole craze like everyone had a kendama my friend brought a yo-yo and i was like oh that's dope because it's different i didn't want to get a kendama because i never liked being like everyone else i thought it was cringe for some reason because i don't know (laughs) and so i got a yo-yo like him and we like yo-yo together for a little bit and then i found out that there were contests online and one of okay this freestyle this routine changed my life luis enrique via senor 2015 world's finals i okay that's just a fantastic routine i loved that so much like that like i i want i need to meet him one day like that was one of the routines that like really made me love to yo-yo just the music cues the energy the the speed like that i i watched that and that made me want to be good at this and so um, after I watched that routine, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm doing this for real. Um, conveniently, nine months later, the toy store that I now work for started a yo-yo club. And I went there and I learned like compulsory tricks um, that I kind of needed to master. And um, then that's when I was introduced to Connor. And that's how it started. That was it. And it was awesome. And I wish I could go back to the those days because they were so good <laughs> i love yeah my first yo-yo was a, sorry what oh go ahead okay my my first yo-yo was a uh yo mega exodus 2 and then my second one was a uh yo mega yo-yo jam um firestorm and those two yo-yos i'm trying to get my hands on one of those two right now because I lost, I don't know where they are anymore, and I'm really sad about it. Um, but yeah, those yo-yos like have a special place in my heart. Like those are that's what I started out on. So yeah, it's just crazy thinking about it now. Now that you ask, <laughs> yeah, those first uh, first yo-yos are hard to like. I don't know why we get rid of them or where they end up. I don't... Yeah, like, I guess I didn't know, like, how far yo-yoing, uh, how far I was going to go with it or how far it would mean to me, you know, because I was, like, a little kid, basically. I was, like, 11. I didn't know. But I don't know where they are now, so, <laughs> yeah. I they, uh, or I had a one-drop M1 with uh, dice stacks on the side. Someone mm. modified that M1 and put stacks on it. It was so cool, okay. and I think I traded it or sold it or Dang. something. Yep. Yeah, I think I gave an M1. (laughs) I think I gave some uh, one drop joke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I think I gave my uh Firestorm to a friend and then like he like broke it later. And then I don't know where the Omega Exodus is, but 
Yeah. Damn. Whatever. That's so whatever. Sad. Well, so I was gonna say something else. Whatever. I can't remember. <laughs> I the the next question is always who are your biggest inspirations, but you kind of hit that with Luis Enrique. Um, is there anybody? Yeah. Else? Um. Yeah. For like the I never got an aviator his signature yoga, but I really wanted one. I might get that one later too. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Luis Enrique, um, Gentry Stein, and Zach Gormley. You know, I think everyone who kind of is my age grew up liking those finals routines, 2014 and 2015. Um, who else? Oh my God, there's so many players I'm definitely not giving credit to right now that I just cannot think about at the moment. Um, shoot. That um, such a good style. <laughs> dude, it's like, it's like, it's so good. It was so awesome. Oh, um, oh, um, this is a weird one because he's more recent. Adrian Velez. Oh, yeah. I went through, yeah, I went through like a little phase where I just, I really liked his style. And one of my best tricks, it's like that one trick that I enter from a kamikaze mount and then I do a bunch of slacks at the end. That trick is influenced by him because I joined one of his Instagram lives like a couple of years ago. And I asked him, um, you know, what, what uh, advice would you give me on making new tricks? And he said something like, get into a mount you like and then do something you don't think anyone else would think of. And I was like, Whoa, oh, my God, my mind is blown. <laughs> I'm like, and so then I made that trick. And I've done, I've been doing that trick for years and I love it and it scores well. And I, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I think my style is pretty um, influenced by Adrian Velez. Oh, Chandler Steele is another one. Um, um, in 2015, I watched his finals routine and I really liked his style too. And I was like, this guy's going to be really good. And inevitably later on, he gets to finals at Worlds and he wins tons of competitions and all that and yeah styles definitely influenced by him um michael curdy i went through a curdy phase for a little bit oh. i didn't ever like make any tricks influenced by him but i loved his energy on stage um definitely inspired by that um patrick canny a little bit um also liked the energy i like that he used different songs like he used pirates of the caribbean and taylor swift and that's what kind of got me interested in diversifying the songs I used. So, like, I used a theme song for my semifinals at Nats, and then I used Bad Blood by Taylor Swift and Kendrick Lamar in finals. And that was kind of that was kind of inspired by Patrick Canny, I think, in a way. Um, and then, uh, oh, there's another one. Oh, Janos Karans. I, uh, I went through a little phase with him, too. Um, I really – what was that? Who didn't? He's so good. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, he's like, I just thought it was super interesting how, like, like, I, I didn't really, I never really, like, watched his routines that much, but, like, I loved all the Duncan videos of him, like, in parking lots and shit, and he was, like, doing crazy tricks that I just hadn't even thought of. Um, yeah, I went through a huge phase with him. Um, yeah, oh. Um, you oh wait you got more yeah keep going sorry, sorry i'm like going off <laughs> no, no this is great um yamato Murata. 
I loved when he, in 2017, when he put the Bill hat on and he just did speed combos for like a minute straight. Like that, or it was, it was like 2016 or something like that. He did speed combos for like a minute straight. I was like, that was so cool. Like, I want to do that at a talent show in front of all my friends to make them think I'm awesome. Like, that's that that was sweet. I loved that style. Um, I got like something uh, by Yo-Yo Addict gloves, like the white ones that he used, and I started making like speed tricks and like arm tricks and posted them and tagged him and stuff. So like that Yamato Murata was a phase. Um, oh, Ryuichi Nakamura, that was a phase. <laughs> I went through lots of phases with players that I just really liked for a long time. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. What else? I just liked his speed, but he just like his transitions between tricks were just seamless. And I really liked that. Um, I also really liked uh, Izuru Hasumi. And Ayumi Kasuga, because I, I like those guys because oh wait, Ayumu, no, no, no. Not not Ayumi Kasuga. Um, the guy who won Yuta Kashiwaya. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yuta Kashiwaya and um uh Izuru Hasumi. I like those guys because their tricks were like pretty relatively simple, like I felt like my tricks were, but when they did well, they didn't mess up, like it was the whole consistency thing. And so I was just really inspired by guys who didn't post crazy tricks online, but who could still do well at contests. Um, so those two were definitely influential. But Yuma Kasuga is also really good. He just like, I don't know, the whole like doing tons of bangers, but like missing half of them isn't super appealing to me. <laughs> but like he's, he's, he's insane. I definitely went through a phase with him too, where I like tried to learn some of his like banger stuff. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> That is all the inspiration. Oh, Yaku Daikon. Yaku Daikon is another one. Oh, yeah. I would, great. a huge Yaku I really loved the speed. Uh, yeah. Okay, now I'm done. <laughs> That's it. If you were not on that list, you have not, uh, you, you, you are not an influence. Um, yeah, right. I'm Gavin. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's some I'm forgetting, but whatever. Uh, yeah. No, dude, that's that is usually like the shortest question, and I like that. <laughs> that I think you're the the first person who like really took it seriously and dug into it because usually people really? are like, oh yeah, I was influenced by like Hiroyuki Suzuki. It's like okay, <laughs> so yeah, everyone. No, seriously, like yo-yo players, like I mean, over time I've realized like everyone's just a person. Like these guys, like have actual jobs if they're not working in the yo-yo community and stuff and you know but like i thought i looked up to these guys like they were nfl players and i was really into football you know like it was a big and, and honestly like if you're a kid and you're watching these guys you still should because like the work and the time that goes into these routine routines and the influence they have over kids like ages eight to to you know any age honestly like the influence some of these guys have when these videos get thousands of views and little kids are watching thinking it's the coolest thing in the world is crazy so i think you know i think um especially when you get i'm at this point right now too i remember when i was like 12 years old i thought like oh if i was top five in the united states or i won this contest like 
it'd be so cool. And I'd love to talk to all the kids about it and share my story. And I think like we kind of lose that after a while because it becomes normal to us. Like, yeah, I've been yoga for seven years. And so it's just second nature for me. Like, obviously like you start moving up the ladder eventually if you're competitive, but it's just like, once you get to a certain point, like you like at some point when I compete more and stuff, like I'm sure there's going to be some kid just like I was eight years ago, who's going to be like, wow, this guy's super cool. And, you know, I just got to like, remember what that's like. That's pretty motivating to me, honestly, because yeah. I don't know. I love, I love this sports slash hobby slash whatever this is like a lot. And it's just really cool to now be able to be one of those people that I looked up to when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, no, that's, that's like, so that's why I had this such a long list of like competitors that I really looked up to because I like really looked up to those guys. So no, I, I feel that a lot too. And it's 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 you really do have to hold on to that. It's something that uh that <laughs> comes up. I bring everything back to magic. something that comes up in magic that mm -hmm. like you forget that like what you're doing is magic when you're doing magic, and like sometimes yeah. Oh yeah, look at the I, I do a routine where a coin goes through my hand over and over and over. Um like it just looks like it penetrates right through my hand. Uh and so like to an audience, if it's done right, that looks like true magic. Like there's a coin that's somehow passing from one side of my hand to the other, and they're watching it happen and they see me pulling it through. And like yeah. it's hard for me to to get past the sleight of hand that's going on and to like look at it and sympathize with them and be like look at look at what's actually happening like watch it actually isn't that crazy like isn't that insane that yeah. like how the hell does it do that <laughs> that's how you have to be looking at it even though i'm like <laughs> i yeah. don't know what happens i know exactly right. but, oh i'm actually just you know making it go through this other way um mm -hmm. which i won't get into how but anyway uh, ask me to do that in person. I am always prepared to do that routine. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, uh, another thing on that is like um, uh, just holding on to that feeling of, of when we looked up to those people. Um, like I recently got, I posted, it was a, oh, it was a, I, I like this trick. It was, it was like a, it was a weave, but I did it around the Z axis. So it was like, Mm -hmm. like a three 3d eli hop that i'm like swinging the yo-yo yeah. spinning this way but it's swinging around that way oh that's cool yeah and i got like 500 something likes and yeah. that is like i'm like oh okay that did pretty good and like yeah. when i was you know 10 years ago looking at people on instagram getting like 300 i'd be like oh my god if i could only oh, yeah. learn something that would yeah. get out there no, like it's weird. Yeah, like it's weird to think about. Like there are kids who have seen my videos and your videos, like rather it's on YouTube or Instagram, who save those videos and watch them over and over again and think we're so cool because we did that. And it's like, I don't know. I just gotta like, especially when I see kids at contests, like I'm not I haven't been very well known for long. Like this was kind of like nationals was kind of my debut, if you want to call it that. Um, but like I know in the future, like there will be a kid who knows who I am who's going to be like afraid to approach me because he's only seen through a screen and like just going out there and like reaching out to them and talking to them would 
definitely would have meant the world to me when I was smaller. And so like for us to do that to those kids that we used to be like, that would be so great. So yeah, I think some of us just like forget about that. And yeah. I think but. you hit on something important of like, yo-yos are just people with jobs. <laughs> like <laughs> today, if you took away the yo-yoing, most yo-yoers are just your average, very boring person. Uh, and yeah. so like, if you think about it that way, like that's kind of how I, 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 I went and like talked to Gentry uh, at, at Nats and I'd never done that before. Um, and yeah. I just, I wasn't like, oh, this is world champion yo or Gentry Stein. I was like, oh, this is a guy who has like a, a decently big YouTube following. I'm going to go yeah. <laughs> YouTube, YouTube guy over here. This is what he does yeah. for his day job. Um, and then I, I talked to him like that and it just, it made it so I wasn't, you know, starstruck to be talking to the Gentry Stein. Um, yeah, right. But right. of course, all that aside, Gentry's a legend, um, the, despite what some people, I don't know, I feel like there's controversy around Gentry always, and I don't know why. I feel like it's under- Yeah, there's just, when someone's so good at what they do, there's always going to be haters, right? Like, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, like, I mean, we're just like a collection of dudes with day jobs and, you know, <laughs> college students and stuff. Like, I kind of compare it to like college football. Like, we look up to these players, you know? Mm-hmm. Or like at least like football was like a big thing in my life for a little bit. Like I watched U of M Wolverines play, and I was like, "Oh, these guys are so sweet." But like, they just go to practice, and then they study. They go to class, yeah. and like you know, there are there are cameras flashing in their face all the time. They're not signing autographs like all day, and it's not like the celebrity influencer life all the time. And so. I've like slowly begun to realize that. Like I literally thought when I was littler, when I was like 12, like I was watching Yaku Daikon at UIYC and I was like, this dude gets paid. He's making shitloads of money doing this. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, that's not how it is, but it doesn't make it any less cool. And yeah. it doesn't like take away from, you know, how much influence these people have, you know. It's like when those videos get posted online, like thousands of kids are watching those. Yeah. So like it's one thing to look at it through the lens of money and income. And it's another thing to look through it as like inspiration and what you're doing to like motivate kids to to try something and like to to be to have some pride over you know what they do and to get better, you know. So what's scary is um that uh so what happened my boyfriend was over this weekend and he's in the makeup community he like just was following that and i was telling him about what's happening in yo-yoing and i'm Mm -hmm. like yeah people are starting to like get decent sized followings and like there's starting to be money in it and he's like oh that's what happened to makeup in i don't know 2014 or something and mm-hmm. after that, everything got messy. And that's, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so is that what's going to start happening here? Is that like Gentry and, and Angelo are going to have a falling out and Brandon's going to like start <laughs> buying up real estate with, uh, with Betty or something? Like, are we going to have some fucking drama happening? For, for real. 
I'm kind of excited, but also like, oh no, what's going to happen to the community? Um, yeah. Like, it's so great that it's growing and stuff. But like, when I talk to some of the older guys, I'm like, why don't you, you know, market this more? They're like, we want it to stay small. We want it to, otherwise when money gets involved, it's politics and yeah. it just goes to crap, you know? And so yeah, I don't, it doesn't make me nervous. Like, I remember, like, I was talking to Angelo, and he was, like, he saw Gentry Stein walking in with, like, Louis Vuitton bags and stuff. And he's, like, what is this becoming? Like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, and then, like, that's good for him and stuff. Like, don't, like, and he probably got those from, like, the deal he did with the yo-yo he made and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, but, like, the point is that he is make some of those guys are making money and they are living on it. And it's a job for them. And, like they have to find a way to monetize themselves and it might get messy in the future. Um, so yeah, I just, I just hope it doesn't become toxic. You know, like there's something super charming and nice about going to a yo-yo contest full of people who just love to do this thing and who aren't in it for the fame and the money and all that, Yeah. you know, you can escape. It's something that you can do for fun to see your friends again, you know? And I, yeah, I, I think uh, that's another thing that Magic does well is there are still conventions where, uh, oh God, who is it? I want to say David Copperfield, but I know it's not him. Um, oh, Bruce. No, it's not Bruce. Oh God, I don't know why I can't remember his name. Anyway, uh, he, he's, he was a Las Vegas magician for a long, long time. Really, really well known. And I can't remember his name for some reason, but he still goes back to the conventions and he teaches the kids at those conventions the most basic tricks because he mm -hmm. just likes being there and like being yep. around the kids and teaching the, the teenagers um, uh, the, the basic trick because he just loves magic. And he's got like a hundred million dollar estate in, in Las Vegas and like yeah. massive trust fund and shit. But he just wants to yeah. hang out at uh, my friend Elliot, who um, I talked about on the Magic Castle episode of this podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. Go back and watch that one. Uh, he always imitates him, and he's like, uh, "He's like, where, where are the sponge bunnies? I, I'm looking for the sponge bunnies." And like, he'll have all the like most famous magicians trying to talk to him, and he's like, "I want to go teach the sponge bunnies. Someone get me my sponge bunnies." <laughs> I don't know, just a little thing. So, like, if we can keep that that kind of nugget around, I think yeah. I think no matter how much money is involved, we can will will be set as a community. Yeah, for real. And like, I you know, I, I love to see Yo-Yo grow. Like, I know, like, I, I love to see when a TikTok blows up because I know like a bunch of people like just got exposed to Yo-Yoing for what it is, you know. Yeah. And like, that's great because it's such a niche thing, and I want more people to like experience that. But like. With more people comes more, with more power comes more responsibility. You know, <laughs> you have, when you have that much influence and you're this good at something and you know how to market it, you know, the money might start to uh, take over your thinking and stuff. So, yeah, no, I, I think people should keep doing it, but like tread carefully, you know. Yeah, that, that actually makes me think. Um, I, I remember some post Gentry made where he was like, these are going to be the lollipops of the yo-yo community. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, what, what are you doing, Gentry? Yeah. yeah. That, is not, that is not the path forward for yo-yoing. No. Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, but 
but who am I to judge? He probably he probably got a, a little check for that. Yeah, I know for real. I was like, I want to sometimes I want to hate on these guys, but like I just can't. It's like oh, yeah. what no, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're doing something I'm not like yo cannot move forward unless money gets injected into it somehow. Like that's what yeah, someone's gotta yeah. Someone's got to generate it. Someone's got to get people to watch. Someone's got to inspire people to start yo-yoing, you know. So someone's got to run it. Like, I don't know what we're going to do when um, some of the judges, like, kind of disappear. And, like, even farther down the road, like, Andre Goulet, yo-yo expert, like, he runs, he puts these contests together. Dude, he does so much. Like, what would we do without him, you know? Um, So, yeah, someone's got to, like, but I don't know. Someone's got to inspire and 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 build up like this next generation of people who are gonna continue this. So yeah, I'm hoping one day. I mean, I'd like to be one of those people. If 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 I had it my way, honestly, I would love to run a yo-yo store, run a company or something, and that be my life. Like I would. It's it's just so hard to do that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I think uh, I think the tide is rising, and and with it goes all the ships. To 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 take that um, <laughs> that quote and butcher it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get the point. Uh, I get the point. I get what you're yep. Well, cool. I I think that's a fun little ending point. I asked you the intro question yeah. as the ending questions. Oh, so I do have to ask you the ending questions, which are yeah. Um, <laughs> which are a takeaway. So we've been talking, I don't know, I didn't have a timer on because I thought this was going to be a 15 minute episode. So we've been talking for a while. Usually I know exactly how long it's been. Um, Yeah. uh, What's one thing that we talked about that, um, that if somebody like heard all this and they're like, you know, they've been washing the dishes or whatever, uh, like what's one Mm -hmm. thing that you want them to remember? And you can do one and I'll do one too. Oh gosh, that's a good one. Okay. Got to go through my mind and think about everything we talked. Hmm. Dang. I would say, I mean, we talked about a lot about competing and stuff and scoring well. I don't know. I, I tell the person, the one thing to remember is like, at the end of the day, if you're if your goal is to compete and to do well or, you know, whatever, also realize that you are influencing a lot of younger people who are going to look up to you. And, you know, that's, that's really important to remember. Um, and so when I went through that long list of players, I was inspired by, like, I was, I really looked up to those guys, you know, like that was a big deal to me. And so that's also part of, aside from competing, you know, that's what makes yo-yoing so special. Like there's such a long list of people, not just in contests, but like also online who post like crazy unique, unique tricks like you. Um, there are people behind the scenes like Andre Boulay um, and Connor Skolen who make those tutorials and organize events and stuff. Um, there's just so many people that um, will be inspired and influenced by what you do in the yo-yo community especially if you're present online um so just be like just just be aware of that and like realize that what you're doing is really great and that there are very few niches and hobbies in the world i think that like you can really put yourself out there and like 
really have an impact on people. Um, you know, I, I had that kind of realization. I was at, um, I think the United Yo-Yo contest a while back. And I, at the time I was making YouTube videos and I had a couple of kids that come up to me and they were like, yo, I watch your YouTube videos and stuff. And like, that was mind blowing. And then at nationals, you know, after I did my semifinal, I had kids like want my autographs and stuff. And they were like, that's crazy. And like, I'm, I'm going to be watching you. And like, that's just nuts. Like I, at one point in time, I was that kid. So like, doesn't matter like what you're doing, you're making videos, you're posting online, you're trying to place that comp contest and stuff. Like there are kids you are influencing and yeah, that's, you got a lot of responsibility when you have power like that. So <laughs> yeah, just, it's, it's a super cool thing though. Like, yeah, just that's what the yoga community is about, man. So I feel that so much. It's crazy. I've been doing, like I've been making yoyos for, a while like i've i've made uh a, a few different models with a few like one was a a collab with coffin and i've been putting uh videos on instagram for a while and then i've been like doing this podcast for like a couple months and yeah. at at nats and i've been like yo-yoing for so so long at nats everybody was like oh man that podcast yeah <laughs> I right, love right, that podcast. Right. I'm like, that's the thing? <laughs> the podcast? Yeah. Really? Yep, All yep. my work and it's the podcast? <laughs> All right, I guess I'll lead into that. So like, yeah, it's never too late to figure out what, what it is that you're doing that, uh, that, that inspires people. But like, uh, right. yeah, like the, all this stuff is important. It's as important as we make it. And because it's, it's at the end of the day, we're just doing art. Um, yeah, true. Thing is, uh, if you are yo-yoing, try street performing. I, I, I might have to <laughs> challenge myself to go to Venice. It's like 30 minutes from here. So I, I might have to go out and set up a booth and, <laughs> and yeah. bring a tiny JBL speaker out there and, uh, and, and realize that it's too quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's all right. It starts. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll see if that, how that goes and maybe, maybe try it out. Um, so yeah, yeah, just not being scared to fail, I think is a good takeaway. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, put, put yourself out there. You're not like being a narcissist or like being annoying or anything. Like just don't be nervous. People think people think yoga is so cool. We also forget that. Like people are, their minds are blown when they see what we do. It's yeah. crazy. Even yeah. if they might not like show it, they're thinking it. They're like, oh man, this guy's way better than I'll ever yeah. be. Right, um, right. Uh, and then this guy or girl or, or person, uh, so takeaways, plugs, do you have anything that you want to plug? I know you just got sponsored by Duncan. Oh yeah. Duncan has been okay. I should have seriously, I feel like a jerk for not bringing this stuff almost. Oh no, <laughs> like, not at all. Sean Perez is and the whole Duncan team have been like great to me. You know, I'm, um, so funny story about nationals. So they had been like sending me some yo-yos a couple months before nationals, just cause I was like using them online. They appreciated, you know, me repping the brand and stuff, you know, and like a month and a half before nationals, I really wanted to go. And I sent a DM to Sean who I had been in contact with a little bit. And I was like, Hey, Sean, I don't know how to ask you this, but I really want to go to nationals. Could you guys help me out with that? And he was like, 
let me see what I can do. And then he called me a couple of days later and said, yep, we'll cover room and, um, you know, registration and some food and stuff. And like, yeah, we can do that, pay for a plane. And I was like, that's nuts. Like, thank you. And then I got a call another, you know, a couple of days later, he was like, by the way, you're on team next gen too, if you want to do that. And I'm like, that's nuts. Like, thank you. And so he like really took a chance on me and it might not have been a lot to him. Like, I don't know, but like, it was a lot for me. Like that meant a lot. And so, um, and then when I got to nationals, when I got to the hotel, you know, three in the morning or whatever, you know, everyone on the team was just like super chill and cool to me. They were like, what's up, man? Like, I hadn't seen some of those guys in forever. Some of them I had just met for the first time, but they were all super supportive and, like, happy I was there. And, you know, that really made me feel at home. I think a lot of the pe- reason why you get nervous on stage is because you feel like it's just an empty group of people, um, especially if you don't know a lot of people in the beginning. But Duncan, like, really made me feel like I was at home, like I belonged there. Um, and so definitely want to thank them for that. Um and they're moving me onto the the actual team later on, so that's nice. Uh, <laughs> but um, and then like the other person is Connor Connor Scolton, um, taught me a lot of stuff. He's been a great teacher, and um, I'm very fortunate, thankful to have him around. Um, he's like taught me a lot of stuff, made me open my eyes and realize, like, answer some of the questions I've had for so long. Um, and so yeah, he's been a lot of help. So, yeah, those those two groups, those that those people, yeah, that's the got to thank them. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's damn. You you got that inspiration <laughs> plug in. And you got that that uh your plugs weren't commercial at all. It was just so heartfelt, man. <laughs> this is amazing. Dude, this like yo-yoing is like this means way more to me than I thought it ever would at this point like mm-hmm. I don't know I just feel like I'm at home like every time I have a yo-yo it's like this is this thing I've done forever and there's this community behind me um and it's just it's great so I don't know where I don't know what I'd be doing with my life if I didn't have this like it's the best thing ever so that yeah I mean yo-yo it's like a part of my soul I yeah I walk I walked across the high school stage with it i walked across my college graduation with it i've like yeah. i've got one with me every everywhere i go <laughs> like oh yeah dude for real though. it's it's such an important part of life you know it's like yeah. it's like a i don't know it's like a lucky rabbit's foot except you can actually do something with it you know <laughs> yeah no like i it's it's weird because like i didn't think about it when i was in fifth grade and i started but like I, I picked up a yo-yo then and it will be with me at my deathbed. Like I will do this for the rest of my life to some capacity, you know, yeah. like rather it's picking it up for the first time in a couple months and doing some tricks or, you know, just thinking about some memories I had contests, like it will follow me around for forever. It'll, yeah. So yo-yoing has just had a huge impact on everyone. So <laughs> just imagine you like 90 uh, in front of a phone going, can I go Godspeed with a <laughs> axle? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. Dude. Uh, oh man. Maybe not you, but definitely Angela. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So the last question is the endless chain. We want this podcast to go on forever. 
Um, shout out yeah. to Abbins for that wording. And so the way that we're going to do that is by um, having everybody who's on this podcast recommend somebody else to be on this podcast. That said, it already feels like it's going to go on forever because it's <laughs> booked out until March 2023. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So who is someone that you think needs to be on this podcast um, besides Connor? Because that's a given. Sure. <laughs> I was going to say, Connor needs to be on here. He's got a lot of stuff to say. Um, let me see here. Also, I'm pretty sure I already signed him up. Dope. Good. Um, I, th I think he actually might have said something to me about that. Um, let's see here. Uh, who did I talk to in that? So I think would be. I think not to cut you off here. It's just a funny story. I think Ian asked me to be on the podcast, and then I followed up with Connor, and Connor was like flustered, and I <laughs> he was like, "Oh wait, what? What? Are you... <laughs> just because they look similar? I just thought yeah. they were this... <laughs> like I didn't realize they were different people, and so then nice. I went up to Ian after. I'm like, "Oh, also Ian, do you want to be on the podcast?" And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, nice. Just accidentally um, got a, a badass on the podcast. Yeah, no, it's sweet. Um Dazzling Dave. Have you had him on yet? Nope, but I invited him. Okay, you did? Okay, okay. I don't know if he's gonna be on, but I'll definitely I'll I'll uh, he can between those two, I think. Um I think that can count. Unless you have another, but um, I'm, I'm thinking of the judges. Um, Yo, know, Jake, Jake. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Um, not Jake Elliott. Although Jake Elliott would be good to have too. Um, shoot, I forget. Uh, let me let me look at what's that. Um, Jake Maloney. Jake Maloney. Uh, I don't have him signed up. He would be interesting. He had like some. Cool. I went out with dinner. Okay, this is gonna sound like kind of sus, but like it didn't help me to any capacity. Like the first day, I went out like to dinner with uh you know Connor and a bunch of the judges and stuff, and they just like told me yo-yo stories from like the two thousands and stuff. And um, I think he would have, yeah, yeah. He, he he said some like really interesting stuff about things they've experienced at contests and traveling and whatnot. So I think he would be really interesting to have on. Perfect. I've got yeah. a stars next to his name. Sweet. Well, sweet. Thank you so much for stopping by, Gavin. Of course. I loved it. It was awesome. All two hours of it. <laughs> oh, man. This was great. I, I was fully yeah. expecting it to just be that little 30-minute bit at the beginning, but I'm, I'm glad that it kept going. Yeah. There's some good stuff in here. There's yeah, no, me too. good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, well, I'll see you around. All right. Thank you, Ross. For that great conversation, man. I was happy to do this. Likewise. Later. Yeah.